Coming to you from the Yard Dogs Podcast Studio. A show for the fans by the fans. Talking all things Cleveland Browns from our mic to your ears. To your ears. With your hosts, Jason Hand and Mikey P. And welcome to another episode of the Yard Dogs Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hand. If you are a Cleveland Browns fan, have a story to tell, and would like to share it, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are wide open. You can find me there on Twitter, at Browns Huddle. You can also find this podcast on Twitter, at Browns not at Brown's Huddle, at Yard Dogs Pod. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star review, and please share the show. Sharing the show helps more than you'll ever know. And joining me tonight is my co-host, my side dog. Let's go ahead and bring in Mikey P. How are we doing tonight, Mikey? Oh, we're doing good, man. We're, uh, you know, ending November. Today's the last day of November, getting ready for December. I don't know about yeah. you. Got my got my Christmas decorations up, trees up. Lights are up, so the kids are excited. Uh, wish I was, uh, you know, celebrating a win after Sunday night, but unfortunately not the case. But uh, we got an awesome show uh, planned for the night. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Brian Matthews is going to be joining with us of the uh, uh, son son of Clay Matthews Jr. So going to talk some football with him and uh, break down the Browns and Ravens game and kind of get into hope and expectation and. You know, what the culture is right now, and uh, we'll, we'll go over that Browns Ravens game, of course, and then uh, and then we'll uh, we'll land the plane, and we'll we'll talk about you know got a game in two weeks, so but we got a bye week this week, so hopefully we'll rest up and get healthy. That's right, we got a bye week this week. Uh, we we get up, shake the dust off us, and get ready for the Ravens once again in two weeks. And like you said, Mikey P, we do have a very special guest come to the yard. Brian Matthews, you can find him on Twitter at the underscore B Matt, son of the Cleveland legend Clay Matthews Jr. Brian, let's go ahead and welcome him to the show. Brian, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Hey, doing well. I agree with Mikey. I wish we were uh, wish we were celebrating a win, but no complaints here. <laughs> Can't win them all, right? Can't win them all. It's very, very frustrating night. We'll get into that in just a little while, but Brian, uh, we're we're uh, Mikey P and I were talking before the show. Your your family is definitely. I mean, you're a football family. The Matthews family runs deep in football. The last game. I don't think you know this, but the last game I was at was in Cleveland, and one of the main reasons why I was there is because your father, Clay Matthews Jr., was inducted in the Ring of Honor. Um, I had great seats. It was an awesome halftime event with the ceremony. I see in the pictures you're right there with your with your whole family, yeah. right there. That must have been some some kind of night. What what stands out to you that night, that very special night in Cleveland, as Cleveland honored your father in the Ring of Honor ceremony? I think it was. You know, my dad's a guy that'll always deflect attention, and so to to see it for you know for one night, kind of forced upon him. And uh, I think, you know, more enjoyable for maybe his sons, us boys, was just seeing him be a little nervous about the speech he had to make. You know, he's not a, uh, a speech type of guy. So uh, we got a good kick out of that. He wouldn't read it to us. Uh, I think he you know, might have been worried about a little ribbing. But 
I think just really seeing him with, with his old teammates. You know, we were so young when we were running around the, the practice facilities over at Baldwin Wallace, you know, before they moved. And, you know, we've got such great memories just running around. Coach Schottenheimer, you know, we had what seemed like unfettered access at the time. Um, but just seeing him that night with his teammates and really him, you know, talking about what a team award it is. He's always been, um, you know, that kind of guy. And it was just – it was unique to see all the, all the light on him and how he took it. So we had a fun time with it. Uh, Brian, you and I started talking – uh, on on Twitter, actually, yeah. right around August, and I, I realized that we share a couple common interests. Number one, we're both fans of the Cleveland Browns, uh, but number two, uh, we're we're both fathers of twin children. You have twin boys, I think I remember correctly, and I, I right. have twin daughters. Oh, okay. uh, and you survived, right? I'm mean, four, so I, I'm assuming you're, you're the one that's got to tell me there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, I, I I might be in my sweet spot right now, Brian. My my daughter's just hit twelve years old, oh, wow. so I, I feel like the the heat is is about to come on. Oh yeah, my see my boys Dalton and Cooper. They're both uh, just turned four years old. And they're they're oh, mammoth, wow. okay. they're mammoth boys, but I mean they're big old boys, physical, love their football. <laughs> I mean I don't I don't know if it's a nature nurture thing, you know, one of those. That's. It's kind of interesting because your twins are 12, his twins are four, and my daughters are 12 and four. There you go. See? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun with them. I'll tell you what. They, uh, I mean, it's, you talked about the football family. We were just down uh, with the whole family. First time in 19 years that we had all my four siblings and my parents in one place. Just seemed like forever. Clay was with the Packers. He was playing on Thanksgiving, you know. My youngest brother, Casey, was at Oregon, and, and, you know, they didn't get to come home. They would have a game around that time. And then he played the Eagles and the Vikings, too. So we actually just got together, and, and my sister ended up – she's getting married. Uh, shout out to her. But, uh, you know, she uh, she asked the boys to be, uh, you know, her ring bearers with footballs that had their name on them. I'm like, these kids don't have a choice in life, you know, even if, even if they wanted to. <laughs> That's right. Well, they have a good chance. I think they're going to probably be wearing a a football uniform before before we know it. Yeah, watch out, class of twenty forty. That's right. <laughs> well, that night was special, Brian. Um, I, I do have a story. It's 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 interesting. I think the the following day, I was at the airport in Cleveland. I was catching my flight back home. And I, I go through security, and I'm walking down a corridor. Nobody's there. It's just me and my bag, and I'm walking to my gate. And I look ahead of me, and guess who's right in front of me? Your dad. Oh. <laughs> walking towards me, and I froze, man. That's all he got out of me was a high five and a go Browns. <laughs> I'm surprised we were walking in the uh... – <laughs> Westlake Promenade over here. He doesn't think anybody would remember him. He goes, why would people remember who I am? I mean, this was this is like, you know, he's thinking that 10, 20, you know, this, this long ago. And so we were walking in uh, the promenade down here when he came out and visited last. And someone stopped him and said, hey, anyone ever tell you you look like Clay Matthews? And he kind of paused. I think he was surprised someone recognized him. He goes, yeah, I get that all the time. And he goes, no, yeah, I'm kidding with you. So he's, you know, you should have given him a, a hard time. I walked away, you know, I'm getting to my gate, and, of course, I'm thinking, okay, what did I say? Did I say anything stupid? No, it was go Browns. I couldn't be that stupid. But then I'm like, man, why, why didn't I try to get a selfie with them or something? Oh, I mean, there's literally nobody there but 
but me and your dad and yeah i i think it was cool though you know i just slapped yeah. a high five and said go browns and he yeah, that. we just kind of just kept walking our separate ways. So I thought yeah. it was awesome that I ran into him uh, the very next morning after the football game. So oh, yeah. <laughs> at the airport, that was a great. That was a great weekend. The, the Browns really did a special job. Um, we had a blast. I know he. Uh, I know he likes going to the stadium, and you know, I, I know he might not speak of it too much, but it's 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 nice when you go there now and you can see his name up there. I think that means a lot to him. Still, still trying to still trying to get the push to Canton, but uh, you know. Yeah, your uh, your sister's very on top of that. I, that's how I started following her on Twitter was uh, was during Clay Matthews uh, Jr.'s push. Because I don't know if you see behind me, I have a framed uh, um, piece of artwork. It says Cleveland yeah. Browns, but each of the letters has a player actually in in it. Oh yeah, your dad is actually the O. Really? Yeah, he's dead center. He's he's the O. So we yeah. we never forget. We never forget our great players. It was hard to forget a good mullet, right? Yeah, they were in style back then. (laughs) Well, I tell you, you know, growing up as I did in the the 80s when I really started following the Browns, I mean, he was I mean, he was one of the great Cleveland Browns of that team. You know, we had a lot of great players, but he was definitely one of them. And, uh, you know, as a kid, I just remember seeing him play and just thought, oh, my gosh, we're so lucky to have him on our team. And. You know, so the city of Cleveland appreciates him. I definitely appreciated his time in Cleveland. And, uh, yeah, I thank you for being on the show tonight. Yeah, of course. Funny story about the Browns drafting my dad, actually. I don't think many people know this. My dad was promised the uh, to go to the uh, – I think it was the pick after the Browns took him in the first round by the San Diego Chargers. Now, keep in mind, him living in Southern California and going to USC, that was the uh, – that was kind of the prime choice, right? Hand and glove fit. My mom was about to finish up her senior year at USC. So, it was, you know, everything was working out. And this was back before you had a TV to watch the draft, right? And, you know, you didn't have Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays and these, you know, seven-round mocks that changed about 100 different ways. Um, so, we got a phone call. And I think, you know, initially, let's just say the response wasn't as well received just with a phone call. But it ended up working out perfectly. I know that, you know, Cleveland always holds a special spot. And, and uh, somehow we ended up back out here. So, wow. Um, do, doing a little research, Brian. You know, I, I it, it starts with your grandfather, right? Clay Clay Matthews right. Senior. Yeah. What a man he must have been. Uh, you know, it says that he was drafted in in 1950 by the Los Angeles Rams, but then left when the Korean War started. He enlisted in the army and was a paratrooper, right? That's correct, yeah. Um, and, and then he served four years, I guess, and then came back and played uh, four or five more years with the then with the 49ers. That's correct, yeah. Actually, that's good, that's good research right there, yeah. So he's uh, he's the patriarch of this whole thing. He's uh, you know he started this whole thing, and I mean, as far as the uh, the attitude and the toughness, the accountability. You know, I think when you watch my dad or you watch my uncle Bruce play, there was kind of a you know, a reckless abandon, um, you know, that they played with. And, um, you know, that attitude, they, they were so competitive being young. But, you know, I know my grandfather ended up playing in the NFL. And back then, you know, at, at 220 pounds, you were an offensive or defensive lineman, you know, and you played both ways. So different looking helmets, obviously, uh, you know, no face mask. But, no, he started he started this whole thing. I mean, honestly, you look at, uh, you know, Bruce and, uh, you know, my dad and Clay and Casey, 
my brothers played. My brother Kyle played at, at USC. Um, a lot of cousins. My cousin Jake's with the Falcons right now. I've got a cousin Luke at Texas A&M. Um, a slew of others have played. I don't know, you know, what happens, but uh, we all. I think we're all wired. You know, we've all got a screw loose or something because football seems to be the game we go to. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. I, th- I think it's awesome. And yeah. uh, I- I'm curious, did, did you play uh, high school football? Um, yeah. yeah, so I-, I played. Yeah, I played high school football. Played with Clay. Played uh, outside linebacker and safety. My dad told me if I could put on 40 pounds, I could be, uh, you know, potentially an NFL fullback. And I said, all right, uh, you know, I'll see you later, football. <laughs> so I got to this world eventually. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's where we're at now. So now I've, you know, always been a, a big fan. But, uh, you know, now I guess my job is coaching my wife and teaching her defensive packages. You know, she's, she's curious. So we're getting there. That's right. And I see the Browns helmet beside you. So obviously the, the Browns hold a special place in, in your heart. I, I mean, I, I guess you're a, you're a fan of the Browns. Do you follow them, watch them every week? Oh, religiously. I don't miss Good. a Browns game. And, there you uh, go. You know, I, it was nice. It wasn't, you know, moving from Cleveland to Los Angeles, which is a very fair weather, uh, for the most part, you know, you, you have some fair weather fans, you know, who cheer when you're doing great and then maybe not, you know, not be there when you're not doing great. Um, you know, you're a Browns fan. It's like, what in the world? And uh, you know, then I moved back out here, and you know, hey, everyone, hey, we're zero sixteen. Let's have a parade. You know, felt like all right, you know, back back with my people. Uh, but it actually in California, it started to earn me, you know, kind of a badge. Like, man, this guy still cheers for this team that you know had a uh, you know rough period. But yeah, we uh, we got the boys. We've taken them over to the Browns practice a whole bunch of times and met the uh, some of the players, and uh, we make sure to stay around the, the team and the organization. Awesome. So I'm, I'm assuming, you, and you obviously, you guys have ties to USC. Uh, are you a USC fan also? That's right. Fight on. So are, uh, how you know are, you ex- are you excited about the uh, the Lincoln Riley? Uh, oh, that's a, that's a home, I mean, that's a home run hire right there. I don't think, I mean, we look, since Pete Carroll, it's, uh, you know, we've been trying to find a, uh, a replacement and we, you know, we tried Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin and, both of those didn't end well. Clay Helton brought stability to the program, you know, but when you're in Los Angeles and you're at USC, the, the expectation is that you're going to win conference championships at the very least. So the fact that they were able to go out and get Lincoln Riley, you know, from Oklahoma, and and this isn't a team that's a bad team. You know, it's, he's not a coach that's, you know, done more with less. This is a guy who's given the keys from Bob Stoops and ran it for eight years, you know, two Eisman winners. He's involved, you know, from beginning to end with the quarterbacks as far as game planning. Um, so you look at it, he does great in-home with the parents, and, and recruiting is obviously a big thing. And when you're in um, Southern California, putting a fence around Southern California is the number one objective. And if you look around college football nowadays, you see, you know, the quarterbacks have major programs. You see Stroud, you know, at Ohio State, Southern California kid. Bryce Young is a modern-day kid, Southern California kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, DJ, I'm not even going to try to butcher his last name, over at Clemson is a St. John Bosco <laughs> guy. So, you know, if you go to California and you have the right coach, you can, yeah. uh, you know, you can turn USC back into what it was. So I think with all the bad news over the last couple of years, I'm really glad you asked that question, Mikey, because I've been yeah. smiling nonstop since, since then. <laughs> I, I bet you just you just dropped St. John Bosco. We I, I, I saw them this year. They came out here and played uh, my – my, uh, my my old high school, Oscar Smith, and uh, 
we, we win state championships pretty year, you know, every other year, every couple of years, really good, always competing and, and yeah. in it every year. But uh, it was a whole. <laughs> Those 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 kids were those kids were big. It was it was it was like watching a junior college team come play. Yeah, oh yeah. But so you know, those kids aren't all you know. They're not all from that city. You know, there there's a heavy uh, influx of transfers that go in there. Gotcha. Okay. So, it didn't, the stars don't align for that to work out naturally. Let's just put it that way. You got some great teams over there. I thought oh, you were yeah. going to say Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> oh no 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 no. <laughs> That's. That's that's still one of the best stories of the year. The fact that easily, they uh, got through got ESPN that. and all yeah, their zero, fact checkers. I mean, zero betting. Zero betting. No idea how that happened. Schools in Ohio, and that one gets picked up. That's what I, 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 when I, I go, I've never even heard of Bishop City. You know, you, you know when you grow up, you hear Glenville, right? Or, the, you know, the Muller. You, you've got the names you hear. And, Hoban. <laughs> you got Hoban. Hoban's a good school. Exactly right. right. You're sitting there like, yeah, I don't, I don't know this one, though. <laughs> Well, exciting things for for USC, no doubt. That's that's big news that just came out. That's really big, and I'm excited for your program. He's going to bring good things to uh, to USC. Looking forward to it. I appreciate it. No doubt. Um, you know that. This past week was was tough on on a lot of Browns fans. I don't know how often you're on Twitter, Brian. I you know Mikey P and I talk about this, but sometimes Browns Twitter is is a very toxic place to be, especially after a Browns loss or or, or something like that. Bad news happens. Um, social media, you know, it's interesting. For when you, when your dad played, there is no such thing as social media. Fans didn't have a voice. We're on a podcast right now. We have a voice. It just didn't happen back then. It's a different world that we're living in right now with social media. How how are we supposed to act as fans? I mean, you know, some fans were, you know, they they call for coaches' heads. They want a bench baker. They some fans want a play baker. I don't know if you've ever listened to this podcast, Mikey P and I. We're pro Baker, pro Baker Mayfield. You know. I'm the type of fan, if, if you're wearing our uniform, I'm going to support you through thick and thin. You know, everybody's got, has bad games, bad seasons, but, but I'm going to support you till the end. And that's, that's same with truth. Our coaches, um, our, our owners, our general managers, how hard is it to, to navigate through, you know, especially as players, hopefully they don't, they're not on Twitter and they don't read this stuff, but it, it's a it's a different world that we're living in, isn't it? Yeah. So if you look back, like if you think about the way that the, the like sort of the medium, right, the way that the message is delivered, you look at it used to be print and the speed at which a message could get out was very slow. Now you've got cameras everywhere. You know, every every little thing you say, you know, is, is scrutinized and, and put under the microscope. And so I think here's the thing with, with fans, right? When you have when you have fans like the Cleveland Browns fans, they they are, in my opinion, undoubtedly the best fans in the entire world, as far as I'm concerned. And then as far as you know, a team sticking with a team, you know, loyalty to a team through down years. It is funny, and you see this too. It's almost Browns Twitter was more enjoyable when we were 0 16 than it is when we're sitting here talking about a loss, right? When we're sitting here and it's a Ravens game, and you know, but I, I think when you look at you know the passion, yeah. It, you hope none of the guys are on there. I'll tell you, every single one of them, you know, they're on there. And, uh, yeah. you know, whether it's their, you know, getting motivation from it or, 
you know, whether they're using it for, for toxic reasons, most of those guys are on there. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that comes with the territory, right? So you get passionate fans and when you're winning there, you know, everything's great. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it works. Um, you know, I will say at least we're not throwing batteries at Santa Claus. You know, we could be filled up. Yeah. <laughs> So I think, you know, if you look at Browns fans, it's, it's tough right now because when you see everything on paper stacked up, everyone wants to say Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. You know, and there's a process to it. There's also been a lot of injuries, you know, and uh, so I think that you, you kind of have to take it, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It is wild. I've been reading Browns Twitter and there's it's it's almost turned into this, you know, the the, the, the half the backs Baker and the other half that's just, you know, waiting for Case to get in. You know, and I think that's uh it's a, a tricky situation. I don't think the, uh, you know, the Odell Beckham Jr. situation helped out at all either. Yeah, I I did a lot of self-reflecting after this loss because everybody, Mikey P, you, you and I talked about this. We, everybody had such high expectations for this year, mm-hmm. and having high expectations for something you have zero control over can really set yourself up for for major disappointment. Um, yeah. I, I recently tweeted something. I, I, I basically said I have uh, zero expect, expectations for the, the rest of this year, but I do have hope. You know, I, yeah. I always want to see our, our team do well. I want to see Baker do well. I, I want to see Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, catch pass. I want to see us win football games. But I guess my point is when you expect something, you know, yeah. you, you, you can really – get disappointed but but having hope is good especially yeah, as a yeah. as a fan and you're right brian you said earlier the cleveland browns fans are are the best fan base on the planet mikey p you're a member of the browns backers here in yeah. virginia beach and that's the biggest or organized sports fan base in the world the browns backers oh. are oh yeah and 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 a key thing brian brought it up earlier when you said it sometimes it was funner back in 2016 when that was going on because you're dealing with Twitter when you're talking about hope. There was no expectation. Yeah, exactly right. We were just hoping that the team would win games here and there. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you saw it in 2019, and you're seeing it this year that, you know, expectations, and it's not just on the fans. It's also on the players. Like, when you when you go into a season and you're expected to uh, uh, to be that team or, or to be, you know, to be a Super Bowl contender, and then next thing you know, like, things are not going the right way. And then, I mean – we looked at that Kansas city game and we were like, yeah, we're, we're building, we're going in the right direction. We almost won. We should have yeah. won that game. And even with the chargers game, we are like, yeah, we should have won that game. And then now it's like, man, things are really starting to, to kind of snowball and go in the opposite direction. The offense isn't playing well. Um, it's sometimes tough because I think right now everyone, uh, and, and I, and I see this in the workforce, like where I work, like everyone needs someone to blame. And sometimes it's not that easy. It's not just one person or, or one ancillary thing that's happening that's causing an issue. Like sometimes it's a culmination of things. And I think that's that's what's causing such a, a toxicity right now with Brown's Twitter is that everyone's saying it's Baker. One people yeah, I got a group saying it's Baker, then this group saying it's Stefanski's play calling, this group saying yeah. it's this and it's injuries, and it's like it's all those things. Yeah. It rolls yeah. up and just just snowballs. Yeah, if you look at it, I mean, you really look at it, too. Like, what made the Browns so successful? What made us so successful in the early weeks, right? We had, So we're, we're a zone where we run the ball, you know, zone running scheme, heavy. That's that's heavy scheme. We, we know that. You know, I think I think what people were maybe looking at last week and saying, okay, we've got, 
you know, we've had enough three tight end sets. You know, let me right now it feels like Jarvis is our only reliable threat outside of those tight ends. And, and when you can't stretch the field, and Jarvis is known as, as more of a possession guy, and not to say that, you know, he's not a, you know, he's got great quickness. But, you know, you don't, I think that the main thing you look at, I think if you go back in that game, you know, uh, you look at guys going up and winning a 50 50. You know, there are a few pivotal plays where you looked mm-hmm. at throw was there and, and sometimes your guys just have to make those plays and that's that can be the difference in the game i was watching the game with with my brother clay and we were talking about the turnovers you know it's he was saying you know the, look you don't understand how big a turnover is in football i mean the whole the momentum of the game shifts entirely when you get a, a turnover we get the ball on turnover right and then it's tennis back and forth and they're like all right well unless they're playing tennis you know so i think really you know we we, we had a lot of opportunities and that's that's what made it you know, makes it frustrating. I think it's also very unique that we're going to have to go back after a bye and play Baltimore, which I don't think is, as far as schedule-wise, uh, Clay played 11 years, and not once did he ever have a, you know, a bye, uh, a game, you know, with a certain opponent, the conference opponent, a bye, and then that game. They said yeah. they had, you know, when he was with Green Bay, they played the Vikings, had a game, a bye week, and then the Vikings, and they thought that was way too close together. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, coming off, really, you're playing that team, you're going back with film on that team. And, you know, but I think you're right. You know, I, I think everyone's looking to blame somebody. And I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, you, the process is what everyone, you know, is forgetting. So these, these pieces all have to, to stay together, fit together. You know, and it seems like we've had, uh, you know, Joe Wood's side of the ball step up in, in a certain game, right? And then Stefanski looks like the hero in another one. And so, you know, I, I think it's just been inconsistent, too, as far as who the, uh, who the people want to pin the blame on. You know, I think at the end of the day, like you said, Look, the, the window to win a championship is so small, and the differences in these games at this level is so small that, um, you know, this is – it's not a lost season in any way, you know. Oh, and no, and, and everyone talks about, like, they – you know, they talk about all these guys, like, uh, you know, get rid of Baker and bring Russell Wilson and bring Aaron Rodgers And While those guys are great, they too – they've only won one Super Bowl. They've only won one more Super Bowl than anybody else. Like, they've got that one, but it's like yeah. – those guys have been in the league for a while too. It's not. It's not yeah. easy. Like Tom Brady is an. Tom Brady's an enigma. That's yeah, no, yeah. He's, that he's, he's the outlier. He's the outlier. <laughs> he's the outlier. Like he. He's the one that uh that uh ruins the uh, test scores for everybody else. Yeah, he, I, he, he ruined I'll the curve. I'll help build them back up for you. My uh, think about this. My dad and my uncle Bruce played 19 years. Not one Super Bowl between them. My grandfather wow. played. Not one Super Bowl. Clay was the first one. He came in a couple of years in. They got a ring. It felt like it was my dad's ring when he was on the field. I mean, you know, I was like, wow. Right. You know, I mean, 38 years combined, you know, between those two. Now, you know, the, the greatest show on turf, you know, uh, the Kevin Dyson stretch play. That was yeah. uh, Uncle Bruce's closest chance. So, you know, it really is. It's such a it's such a small window. You know, there's so many teams that are that are vying for that top spot. So it's, you know, it's, it's always interesting year in, year out. And we don't play in an easy division. No, and you're, you're like I said, your your uncle uh, he played with Warren Moon, who was uh, and a hall, a hall of Fame quarterback. So it's not like yeah. he played with some also ran quarterbacks. And you know, Bernie was a great, you know, was you know he was a Pro Bowl quarterback for a few yeah, years. Absolutely. He's not unfortunately not a Hall of Famer, but um, I mean, it wasn't like they were playing with uh, the Johnny Menzels of the world. Or yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> that's a good point. Did Johnny Menzels exist back then? <laughs> uh yeah it was uh uh arch arch Sleister and uh yeah, and yeah. uh the guy the raiders drafted marinovich uh that, that, that I, that's kind nice. of the, the, yeah you're gonna throw some shade at usc huh 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I, for, I forgot he was a USC guy. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned Sleister. He was a Ohio State guy. I'm a Ohio yeah, State guy. Right. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about culture. You know, it was mentioned. I think it was mentioned Sunday Night Football about you know the Baltimore Ravens. They, they've created a culture there. Pittsburgh Steelers have culture. It's interesting, Brian, that you're a guest on our show tonight because the Browns are trying to get back to a culture that your dad played on with the with the Cleveland Browns, and and it's not an easy thing. It, it's not something that's built overnight. It's something that does take time, and you can't buy culture. You can't snap your fingers and 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 get culture. I, I still feel like the Browns have made the right moves, you know, and Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and drafting Baker Mayfield and you know, extending Nick Chubb and bringing in Kareem Hunt and Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Delpit, JOK. The the list goes on. I, I I do believe I do believe that we're really close to figuring this thing out and changing the culture in in Cleveland. What's the difference between teams that have a storied culture and teams that 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 aren't quite there yet? What's the what's the big difference there? So the teams that have the storied culture, you know, they they, they are expecting to win, right? Mm-hmm. They they're they're in crunch situations and they expect to pull it out. You know, teams that aren't there yet, they're the teams that are hoping to pull it out. That's the main difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it, um, you know, Pittsburgh, whether it's you know, when you look at them this year, they're having their 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 you know their struggles. But you know, go to Baltimore. I mean, they they play in so many close games. The difference between being a you know really good team and a great team is figuring out how to win those two, three, four point games consistently, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, sure you lose one or two, but you know when when you have those close games, you got to figure out how to close them out. And so I think I think what everyone is thinking was going to happen this year, right? Like, oh, we're going to go, you know, you know, you saw eleven and five or eleven and six, right? Twelve and you know, you, so you're like, all right, well, you know, that that might happen. I think that'll happen next year. I think that's, you know, more of a byproduct. You look at the, like you said, kind of the building blocks. I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that's, it's pretty unfair, you know, when you watch them play. I mean, it's fresh legs, you know, the entire game and the entire offensive line. You know, you look at extending Batonio, um, Trevor, uh, or pardon me, Teller, obviously, was was a huge one, you know, and, and uh so th- th- those are the pieces that you build around. And then you've got, you know, you've got Miles Garrett. And the, the draft, you, I mean, everything that you've talked about is correct. You look at the draft picks that they've made. It wasn't popular when they drafted Baker. It wasn't popular where they drafted Denzel. But those were their guys. They went and got them, and, and they've been doing a, fan, a, a fantastic job. I think, you know, Jeremiah Usu-Boromoa, I mean, just watching him last week, he's indispensable. I mean, he, he, to have a guy you can honestly say can spy Lamar Jackson, I mean, that, that was one of the most – I think, you know, not just his pro football focused rating, you know, that's, that's impressive as a rookie, you know, the analytics are good, but you watch him play football and you think, how in the, you know, how in the world did this guy fall in the second round? Um, he teleports sometimes it looks like, you know, you know, <laughs> you know and, and hey, but going into the the draft night, I, I remember telling, telling my friends and family, I go, this is the guy I want in the first round. So when we, when we didn't draft him, I remember being disappointed. And then when the, you know, when it started to pick up, I go, I'm just waiting to see a trade, you know, and, Oh boy. But, uh, so I think, you know, the difference is kind of taking it from that, you know, where, where you're searching on, you know, we are hoping to win the game versus, you know, Hey, we know we're going to win it. We just got to find a way to do it. Right. And I've seen, right. I've seen that with the, with, with the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers around there when Clay was there, you know, and obviously everyone knows, you know, you don't want to leave 37 seconds on the clock for that guy. Right. And, and not saying it's got to be the situation all the time, but 
you know, you at least got to have a way, you know, when you're in those close games to find a way to pull together and, and you know, win those ones. Yeah, I, I think culture culture is important. I mean, I, I think that's what got the Baltimore Ravens over the top on Sunday night. I mean, what team can throw four picks and still <laughs> yeah. and still win the game? Yeah. It's it's got to be Brian, like what you said. They they've been there, done that. They 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 know how to win those close games that they shouldn't be able to win. Yeah. And, and the Browns, they're just not there yet. They're just just. Yeah. I mean, you can call it you know injuries. You know injuries happen to every team. You you, mm-hmm. you can yeah. you can blame it on that. Whatever the reason is, we're we're young in a lot of areas. We're we're new. We we just revamped our defense over the mm-hmm. over the off season, so they haven't. Although they gelled on Sunday night, that certainly wasn't the problem. For for whatever reason, we're just not there yet. But I'm still hopeful that we can get there. And and like Baker said when he was drafted by the Browns, his goal is to change the culture in Cleveland. And I think us as fans, we got to get behind that. And that's that's something that I personally yeah. can get behind. A guy like that that's coming in here to 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 change the the, the city. You know, the, the the Cleveland Browns. We've struggled for for decades. You could call it since the '80s, and I—I I, yeah. I don't know, but I believe him. I, I really do. I believe him. I think you know he's—he's—he's he's, he's been injured this year, and he's gone through some some down things. But I, I think he's going to bounce back tremendously, and, and we just need the fan base behind him. Yeah, I also think too you have to realize too when the players see so when his players see him go out there and play through what he's playing through, you know that they sit there and that's the kind of guy you want to play for. You want to yeah. play with. Um, you know, we've seen, and I don't think anybody can question his toughness, right? I don't, I don't think that's ever been, um, you know, on, on question. But I think to answer your point on culture, the culture changed the moment Jarvis Landry came in. He was the one that kind of started that, right? If that People forget what a big move Jarvis Landry. That was the first big-name piece that, that, you know, almost, I don't want to say voluntarily came to Cleveland, but, you know, that it really came on board, you know, as, as the, uh, you know, new staff kind of, you know, looked to get things going and, so you look at that, when Baker came in, he brought a winner's mentality. And, and so I, I do think, you know, I, everyone's ready to, uh, you know, to, to write off, you know, Baker. I, I don't think that's the right move at this time. And I think, you know, the what illustrates that perfectly is that go look at any quarterback that was drafted this year and ask if you want them starting for the Browns this year. Now you can say Mac Jones, but also, too, they have a fantastic – they have an, an incredible defense and, and fantastic run game. Um, and, you know, a, and, a, week, but, and a winning culture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe exactly. So, right? that's, that's the expectation of winning. So, you know, I think that's like you said, it's it's a process. You've got to get there. It doesn't happen overnight. And I think you don't go from an 0-16 team to, a, you know, a 13-3 and or 13-14 now. You know, that, that, that just doesn't happen overnight, you know, in that many cases. So I think, you know, I think next year, you know, I think this year, too, we finished off strong. Um you know, I think there there are still some games where we we stay close. You know, we're, we're in the games. We just need to find a way to you know, to rally a few of those. And I think once we do that, you know, then, then things are starting to look up. I, I get, I get the debate though. Everyone's talking about, you know, yeah. your contract years up. I, I, I mean, I get it in the sense of, you know, it's a, it's a tricky decision, but I think you got to ride with him right now. And, and you know, he's easy, you put your, your egg, you know, put the basket in and you put the eggs in that basket. So see where we can take you. Yeah. And um, something, you know, I, I, I would like us to, to do is I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, 49ers played the Rams a couple couple Monday nights ago, mm-hmm. and while I was watching the game, I noticed that they ran the ball every time on first down the entire yes. game. I've never seen that, 
Um, and all it did was at, at the time, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was struggling with his confidence a little bit. He's mm-hmm. battling some injuries. Um, but what it did, as I noticed, is they weren't like busting off like eight, nine yards of runs while they were doing it. It was like two yards, three yards, two yards, three. I and mean, occasionally they get a bigger run, but it was like the whole time they were doing that, they were putting Jimmy Garoppolo in much more manageable, winnable situations. They were also giving them, uh, they can they can play they, they variations for play calls like second and third down doesn't become a rundown there doesn't become yep. a necessary pass down like with our two dynamic running backs and a good offensive line that we have I'd like to see us do something like that in a game just see if that what that does for like Baker's confidence and the receivers confidence and the tight ends confidence like yeah you look at what would that do yeah, you and you look at too. Look at who they have at running back. They've got Eli Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Senior. And Eli Mitchell's been playing. You know, he's been playing great. But but if we're being honest here, we're talking about you know which running backs you take. I, I don't think you can find one football fan that would tell you they take Jeff Wilson, and Eli Mitchell over Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. That'd be you know get you locked up. But um, <laughs> you know, you look at those two guys. Give them. You know, I think truly when, when we were most successful is when we had you know let Nick Chubb is built to wear defenses down. I, that's that's. The guy's tailor made for that. You know, you listen to him mic'd up and it's, you know, just a bunch of deep, you know, exhales and inhales. He's not talking a whole lot. He's out there just, you know, running guys over. And then when you can get Kareem Hunt, and keep in mind, his rookie year with the Chiefs, he was a Pro Bowl and an all pro running back. You don't do that as a rookie very often. So you you got two guys right there um, that are dynamic playmakers. I think you look at, you know, last week's rushing. And you say, you know, yeah, we we got to run the ball a little bit more than that, especially when that's your bread and butter. And even if teams know it's coming, it, you know, look at look at Jonathan Taylor versus Buffalo Bills. You know, these yeah. weeks ago, you know, nobody stacks the box. It's a run follow defense that Buffalo runs, but they're great at stopping it. Jonathan Taylor goes for five touchdowns. You know, I mean, it's it, sometimes you, they might know what you're running, but sometimes you just might be able to execute better. So it doesn't matter if they know what's coming. You just got to run the ball. You know, eventually <laughs> it keeps them on the field, keeps your offense on the field, their defense on the field, right, and then. Right. You know, eventually you wear them down. They don't want to be on the field, and they don't want to tackle them each other. Correct. Yeah, teams have been stacking eight, nine in the box against Army right. and Navy for the last 50 years, and they <laughs> still run the options. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If they ever find someone to practice against during the week, you know, someone to give a scout team look, you know, they might have some trouble. But, man, those schools just, yeah, they did the same thing. Hey, you just gotta you gotta stick with what your identity is, and I, yeah. I feel like yeah. that's our identity is, is running. Uh, we're a run-first team. Yeah, uh, and and running play action and uh, something I also noticed that I picked up just watching is you know when we're in shotgun, ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's it's a passing play. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes as a coach you got to get creative and you, you you run out of those formations sometimes that way yeah. it just it doesn't allow them to key in or play that press man. They're like oh we know this is um, yeah. we know this is a pass play so we're going to play press man here. We don't need to play off. Yeah, no, and, and guys will keep a single high safety, bring a safety into the box, you know, an extra defender. So, you you know, you look at it, and that does limit it. You know, but, but the thing is, too, then when that happens, you got to have a guy that can win that battle one-on-one, right? And so if you've got a guy in press coverage on you, you know, you've got to be able to at least, you know, make you got to have a guy on the team that can make that play, right? Because that's 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 what you're hoping for as a receiver. That's what you live for. Um, you know, those man-to-man press coverage. You know, if you get a good release, um, you know, then nothing's keeping you back. But – I agree. You know, you watch the Niners play, uh, and their blueprints, it's very simple. They'll run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And if you look at even the Detroit Lions recently, I mean, they've started – 
I'm not using them as the you know example to, to follow, but they started to play a lot better when they started handing the ball to you know DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and they're playing teams that they shouldn't be running the ball against, but they are. So I think you know really you, you got to start you know maybe utilizing both backs at the same side, you know at the same time in the same backfield, even if it's an eye formation. You know I mean it kind of get creative, get guys in motion. You know, I know that's that's a a big thing now is, is getting guys in motion, figuring out where you have man matchups, where you're in zone. So. I mean, to me, if we've got a couple running backs, which we do, that average over five yards a carry, wouldn't it seem simple that, oh, just give it to him every time? I mean, um, Mikey P., you had mentioned about establishing our identity. That is our identity, is we're a run-first team. Why do you think we struggle with sticking to that game plan? Um, Specifically, you know, Sunday night, You'd mentioned they put eight, maybe even nine players in the box sometimes, and and we went away from running the football. Why do you think that is? I mean, obviously the strength of our team is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but we we ran the ball 15 times. I mean, Baker dropped back 37 times. I could see if we were getting blown out, but that wasn't the case Sunday night. We were always in that ball game. Well, I think uh, what played into it was Stefanski's looking at it and saying they're stacking eight guys in the box pretty much every every play almost um and they were playing up on the receivers so he's probably salivating you know as an offensive play caller saying oh they're playing press man we should be able to get over the top on these guys a few times and win some of these battles and we really didn't do that uh we weren't able to do that and he just went away from it and then by the time we tried to to run the ball again like I don't think we even had a one running play the entire second quarter. Like everything was, was a pass and you know, that series of events with the turnovers. Um, but at the end of the day, like when you, you have two stud running backs and you only have 15 carries, yeah. um, you know, I don't care. Like you, you can go back to the, when the Browns played the Steelers in the playoffs, even though we didn't win that game, uh, they, William Green, I think ran the ball like 19 times for like 30 yards, but they kept running the ball to at least, keep Pittsburgh honest and what that does is it it eventually as you keep doing it you're going to break off one of those bigger runs oh yeah and then it forces those corners to kind of get that yeah and your play action so once you start work which we use a lot of play action right because we do run the ball so long the play action isn't going to work as well when you're not actually running it right you know so right. your, your linebackers are going to start to cheat in the backfield you know they're not going to have to worry about the backfield as much and, uh, so I think really you look at those two guys I think I think the biggest thing I think for me, I'd like to see Nick Chubb get involved a little bit more as a receiver. You know, I know everyone, I think Kareem and Nick Hunt could be, you know, both guys that, that you know, when you see screenplays, get creative ways to get them the ball in space. You know, because once Nick Chubb gets ahead of steam, that's, you know, that's, that's a tough proposition. Same thing with Kareem. I mean, both of those guys are, are powerful. Um, you know, Kareem's got, got a little more slippery nature to him. But, you know, both of those guys are Pro Bowl type guys. So, you know, I would game plan for those guys and, and make them stop, you know, whether it's, you know, motion, redirection, whatever it is, you know, try to try to mix, you know, try to get some mismatches. Um, and I, I think, you know, you see some some teams that that hit the checkdowns, you know, seven, eight, nine times. And I think there, there's there's definitely something to be said for that, you know, in the right situation. You know, you look at, you know, Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert, you know, he does a really good job of managing, you know, when he takes his down the field opportunity. So he. You know, when he sees that, okay, you know, I can check it down, right? And I check it down. I'll take three or four yards and consider it, you know, an arm of our running game, right? You know, these short passes. So, 
almost like the Bills use Cole Beasley. You know, he, everything seems to be, you know, under four or five yards, but, you know, he, they kind of use him as a running back in a way to keep the, the sticks moving. Um, so I think there are a lot of ways. I just think, you know, we need to find one guy, you know, and, and I, I hope when Schwartz, you know, Anthony Schwartz gets healthy, you know, he can add that. But I think really you do need that that deep speed element you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, to really threaten the defense to not stack the box. Because if you don't, if you don't have a lot of, you know, speed on the outside or the threat that you can, you know, take the top off the defense, then defenses are going to stay in there and keep the box packed. That's a good point. I mean, we really don't have that guy that can take the top off a of defense. I mean, Anthony Schwartz, he's young. Yeah. He's, he's super fast, but he just, he's, he's very raw. You know, he, he needs, he needs some, some game reps and he's just not there yet. Maybe next year, Donovan Peoples Jones, um, he, he's, he's proven to be a pretty good weapon for, for Baker Mayfield, but we don't have that, you know, like a Tyree kill. I mean, there's not very many Tyree yeah, kills in the league, right? That's, that's pretty yeah. tough. Um, as far as Nick Chubb, I, I think I would just follow Wyatt Teller, man. I just oh, love that guy. Yeah. I go behind that line, man. That guy's a monster. <laughs> Let him pancake a couple D, D linemen and just follow that guy. Oh, yeah, man. I just hand on his back. All right, wherever he goes, I'm right behind him, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the truth, though. I mean, I think, too, like you said, look, if, if you end up in the play calling, doesn't like, let's say you run on first and second down, right, with the Browns and the 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 yards per carry that we have and the running back's ability to make guys miss, you'd have to hope that that wouldn't be a stagnant average on those first two plays, that that could at least get you into a, a third and manageable, you know, and then you're also, again, the ball's not switching hands, right? Our defense isn't on the field, you know, too, too long. I think, you know, sustaining long drives is another way to kill momentum on the other side. That's something that we haven't really, um, you know, been able to do consistently. Yeah, and I think I mean I think a big part of it is, is there's been a lot of fluctuation on the offensive on the outside. Like the tackle, it feels like every game we've had a tackle yeah. go out. Yeah. Um like Blake Hans probably should not be playing tackle at this point. Like uh when Hubbard got hurt, that was that was bad yeah. because you know he he he's a legit uh backup at tackle where Hans I think Hans was a college guard. I don't even think he played tackle. Yeah, um, no, he's like that. it's a tough spot to come into. The good <laughs> news is, if you're going to come into a tough spot, you got a pretty good group of guys next to you to come into, as far as correct. Uh, but you know, the, the great, great O-line know, coach. Too. How you slice it, though, you, I, you know, I think that's you know a lot of, of why you know that you saw the three tight end sets. The three tight end sets are hard to to make any team think you're passing. You know, at least any bit further than you know 10, 15 yards. So, hmm. uh, I think it, you know it'll be interesting to see kind of how. You know it, what adjustments are put in, and also too, you know, I, I think the the overreaction that there needs to be this mountain of adjustments. I think we just need to get back to running the football, and you know, it's a close game. If that game ends up different, right, and then there's there's a, a player two that end up differently, are we are we sitting here as frustrated, right? We're talking about we just beat the Ravens, and we're sitting in a different spot in our division, you know. So right. it's it's amazing how close that game was, and if it ends up in a different spot, you know, everything's in you know the way you view things is just completely different. I think the the biggest encouragement was the defense on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. um, the the biggest disappointment was because of the great defense. You know, having four turnovers and only netting three points. I mean that. <laughs> when you, yeah. I, I I still don't know how that happened. I mean, you know, four four interceptions, four turnovers, and you and you net three points. Yeah. Um, you you definitely we have to get better. At, you know, at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
the fact I think that if you if you were to go into that game and you told you know you pulled Brown's Twitter right and you said hey you know before this game you know Lamar here's Lamar Jackson's stat line Browns do they win or lose hundred percent even Ravens fans are tweeting out we lose you know I mean I Lamar Jackson doesn't have those stat lines so you know you feel like when you when you're able to get one of those out of him you got to get a win right that's 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 the hard part you know it it felt like for the first time I had seen it that you know that defensive game plan actually I think might be copied and, and duplicated down the line if teams have a good enough athlete to to stay in a similar position I mean, yeah. I mean, Miami. I mean, we were much more aggressive too the other night um, than we than we normally are. I mean, Miami kind of laid out the blueprint. Like they just they zero blitzed all night long, and I mean, it, it forces you to to get your hot reads out and uh, and know where you're going to pass the ball. And uh, yeah. one thing though, the Ravens did run. I I love to see us try. Is they call it their bully. Pa- it's called the bully package. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Three tight ends, a fullback, and two backs in the backfield. Yeah. I was like, this is a no receivers. I was like, let's just gonna it. run the. We're just gonna run the ball at yeah. you. And I was like, I was like, I was like, man, they're running the wing T out here. <laughs> I've got, I've got a suggestion. If if, if Togiai's got some uh, some some spin left, I, I I might suggest throwing him in at fullback on a few packages. You know. Okay. Well, I, I agree with you. you know, taking he's that- an athlete. I mean, you look at it though. I mean, it, it that full you take a full back and you basically you say our guys are better than yours, right? Because you know, you know what's coming. So right. we're telling you we're we're broadcasting what we're going to do, and we're expecting you knowing what we're going to do, and we're just going to go out there and beat you at it. So I think I think I, I do think I'd be surprised if we don't see a you know a heavy heavy focus on the run game in this in this upcoming game. You know, it's it's a great way to neutralize the, the Ravens and keep their big play threats off the field. Well, Kevin Stefanski says, you know, the bye week is used for self-scouting. So this is a chance for Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and, and Joe Woods to, to self-scout the Cleveland Browns and, and find out where we can make adjustments and improve this football team. And, and it, it, it looks like they have a lot of work, but we said earlier, we're close. We really are. I, I, don't, I don't think we're far away. I think we're close. It just appears to be that way. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I'd be very surprised if, 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 you know, within the next two years we don't see what everyone was expecting based off of, you know, the, the names on paper and, and, and the hype that, you know, that was getting thrown around there. I think that's, like you said, that's, that's you were talking, Jason, earlier when you said, you know, it's dangerous. Sometimes it's dangerous. Life's an expectations game, right? So it's, you know, it's, you try to figure out, all right, where are my expectations going to be? And uh, when you go into something with high expectations, it's like with my golf game. Like, I, I did not enjoy golf until I realized that I am just bad, so I need to enjoy it. You know, and then Correct. all of a sudden, I started going out, and I started hitting a couple good shots. And I'm still bad, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, you know, you go out and you hit some good shots, and the rest, they don't bother you, you know. But, it's I mean, it must have been I was 32 years old when I figured that out. So it's not like something that came to me, you know. It's like so – um, you know, I go out now with, with, with you know, the hope that I'm going to play well. And if I don't, you know, I say, all right, you know, I, well, there's always, uh, there's always next week. But I think, you know, really the Browns, like I said, if, if, if we win that game, the playoff, I mean, everything looks completely different. And I don't think we're talking about major, major shakeups or major changes. So, you know, again, it's, these are close games that are decided by a few plays. So it's, it's no, I mean, I, I mean, I think if you went into this season, like, uh, I was telling Jason before the show that, if we went into this season and, and I was told that 
We're going to play Pittsburgh one week and give up 17 points, and we're going to play Baltimore one week and give up 16 points. I'm like, we're walking out of there with the W. Oh, yeah. Are we going undefeated in yeah. our division? All yeah. Right. And then if you would have told me we were going to, you know, give up, what, 40, what did we give up, 45 to the Chargers, 42 to the Chargers, yeah. I would have said we're, we're going to lose that game. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's that's been the interesting part. It's like, again, like we were talking like earlier, you know, you, you, don't, you wish you could see both sides, you know, have that game at the same time, like we've seen the defense, right, on a couple of occasions this year, you know, look, on, you know, on one hand, look incredible, and then on the other hand, you know, like against, you know, the Ravens, that second half was hard to, you know, it's hard to watch, just you missed assignments, you know, left and right on, you know, on deep basket too, not just underneath stuff, so, um, yeah. love to see them all, you know, put the pieces together at the same time, and I'll be interested to see how they bounce back, I mean, you, you play a team that's your rival two times in three weeks, you know, you want to, I'd have to imagine they're eager to get back out there. You know? I mean, I think it's a it's it's a it's a league wide thing going on right now. You see teams like uh, I thought the Raiders were dead in the water. They just they lost to a bad Giants team. Yeah, they had some bad losses, and then Thanksgiving they they go into Dallas and 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 get a huge win. And I'm just like, you know, Tennessee was you know, everybody was Tennessee's on top, and then now yeah. they lost consecutive games. And it's yeah, yeah, you look. I mean. Yeah, the, the, the league's a great – Miami's won four straight. You know, it's – you look at – I mean, you look – just even look at the, the teams that won last week. You know, not, you know you're looking at, hey, it's uh, – you know, Baltimore's, right. what, eight and three? Baltimore's yeah. eight and three, but yeah. easily could be five yeah. and five and six. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, the Lions game, like, that, that's where you t- we talk about culture. Like, when, when Tucker was lining up to make that kick, I was like, he's, this guy's going to make this kick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the only guy you can't – yeah, that's so true. You know what I said, too, before? It's like the, he's the only kicker you can't broadcast or jinx. And they trust. No. <laughs> you know, Justin Tucker hasn't missed in his last. It's like it doesn't work with this and guy. He makes, he makes it. Breaks, he's, just, a, he's a robot. I don't even uh, think coaches call timeouts to ice him anymore. They almost – it's like reverse icing. You know, like I, maybe if we don't call one, he'll think about it. You know, it'll throw him off his rhythm. But. Man, yeah, I, I, I just think all up and down. argument about Justin Tucker from an it's from an, someone who works in the NFL, and they said, if you knew that Justin Tucker would turn out to be as good as he is, would you use a first round pick on Justin Tucker, and that he would stay with your team? Would you use a first round pick on Justin Tucker? Absolutely. Right. Look at all yeah. the other first round picks. I mean, you look at like Zane Gonzalez, right? You look at uh, these kickers in the past couple of years that have gone like rounds two, three, four. Those guys, a lot of them are on new teams, right? So, was okay. it uh, Janikowski that was that a first round pick by the Raiders? Yeah, that's right. You know what? Hey, he uh, was Sebastian Alde. Janikowski. Always out there. Was you know? And, oh, I forgot. That's right. And, and uh, then, I can't remember who the uh, Florida State kicker was. It was was it Leo Aragus or was it? Is that his name? The, the one that Tam- it was Tampa drafted him. Yeah, second second round. He's from South Florida, Tampa guy, right? He's from uh, in Tallahassee, going to Tampa. So they thought, man, this is a you know hand and glove fit. That, that that didn't work out so well. You know, no, he was out of the league was, after one season, or he yeah, was out off Tampa after one year. They yeah, bad, Chicago, yeah. And, and he he hadn't missed like a field goal in, in his entire college career, or like he was the most accurate one in history. You think yeah. at that point, like, man, we got ourselves the, you know, if we're good, mark this guy in and not miss a field goal. But Well, when you look at the AFC standings, uh, you know, as far as the playoffs, Mikey P., you said a couple weeks ago, this is a week-to-week league. We were just talking about that. 
you know, when you said that three weeks ago, I'm like, what does he mean by that? Now I understand exactly what you mean by that. Um, the Browns are sitting at number 12 spot at six and six. The Ravens are in the top spot at eight and three. The seventh spot, which is the magic number, that's, you know, the top seven go in, is sitting at six and five. So, man, we, we are right in this thing. Even through all of our struggles and, man, we lose to the Ravens Sunday night and we're thinking it's the end of the world. But now you look at the standings and you're like, we still got a shot. I mean, we got, what, five more games? Mm -hmm. Um, We we have a bye week to lick our wounds. I mean, (laughs) I I think that – I'm glad the Browns aren't playing this Sunday. I think that a bye is good. You know, let's self-scout ourselves, you know. Kevin Stefanski, let's take a deep look and see how we can improve this football team. And the Ravens are coming to Cleveland this time. We're not in Baltimore. I need a buy. I need a buy, too. (laughs) My heart needs a buy after watching this game. But you know what? You're right, though. I mean, you look at the schedule remaining. You've got the Ravens. I know, you know, that's a winnable game. Last weekend was a winnable game. No, The only one thing you really look at, and if if they're playing – Really well, it's going to be very difficult to go into Lambeau Field and beat Aaron Rodgers. You saw that with the Rams. It's just hard to bet. You know, hard to bet against that guy in, in Lambeau Field. I've seen it too many times. But I think you look. You've got what steel. You close out with the Steelers and the Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. And we're looking at yeah. two very winnable games, right? So if you if you can capitalize and get a win this week against the Ravens, or pardon me, uh, next week against the Ravens, and I think you take some momentum in, in, against the Raiders. And I think what. You know, I don't think Darren Waller is going to be playing for the Raiders. And last time I checked, Hunter Renfro, if he's the only weapon they've got, that's, that's going to be a tough sell. I mean, you, you really you, you take that offense and, and you take a you know such an enormous piece if they don't have him. And even if they do, I think you know you can take four of these last five. You don't know, really. I think that seventh spot is completely attainable. And I'm not saying we can't beat the Packers. I'm an optimist, so I'm always going to think we're going to go five and zero. Oh, but you know, that's that's a that's a tall order for anyone. Yeah, well, we were talking about yeah. week-to-week league. Uh, I mean, the Patriots were 1-3, and three and people were talking about, is, is Belichick done? And was Mac yeah. Jones, a, should should they have drafted Mac Jones? And then, you know, they've only gone 7-1 and one since then and won 6 Yeah, you, now you hear, if the Super Bowl were today, Tom Brady, yeah. you know, Bill Belichick could. Yeah, okay. You know, exactly right, though. I think through the fact that you do have division games, right, so these are important games. I think if you finish out, you know, Cincy, Pittsburgh, you can beat those two teams. Um, yeah, you yeah. win your. You figure you win your. You win your. You can win your divisional games because nobody's ever made the playoffs as a wild card or a division winner without a winning record uh, in mm-hmm. the division, um, or at least five hundred or better. So you figure you got to go at this point. You're one and two in the division. You got to finish four and two in the division. Yeah, and then. Packers is going to be a tough one, but it, it is a Christmas Day game. Weird stuff could happen. Yeah. You never know. Um, and you got the Raiders at home. So yeah. you figure you win your three division games, you beat the Raiders, say you lose to the Packers. I mean, uh, 10 and 7 is it, 10 and 7 is get you in this year. Yeah, 10 and 7 sure. gets you in, of course. 10 9 seven, and 8 right. is a possibility. Hey, and you say, too, Jason, you say we're close. Like, we say, oh, next, next year. Like, football, is a, it's a momentum game, right? Like, it, we're talking about teams that have – you look at Miami and you look at New England right now. Those, they're not the best football teams in the NFL, but they're clicking on all cylinders. So, if the Browns can find a way with all the pieces that they've got and the talent's there, it's not like they need to go, you know, externally scout, you know, for – you know, try and pick up some extra guys here and there. That's not, that's not the case. You know, I think 
I think if they start, if, if you know, the, the pieces come together and we start to see the product on the field, then they get hot at the end of the season. And it's about who's hot at the right time of the year. I remember Clay telling me that they had a, their Super Bowl year. They started off the year poorly in Green Bay. And he's like, man, I just remember being hot going into the playoffs. So, you know, and he's like, and you just carry that. And that's, you know, it's, sometimes it's about who's playing the best, you know, at that time of year. You know, you're so right. And some teams, when you look at their roster, you're like, that's going to be impossible for them to get hot. But if you, if you forget about the drama and everything that's happened in Cleveland, if you just look at our roster, man, we, we are built to to make a serious run, especially in the these cold months that are coming up. I mean, we have a the best offensive line in the league, the best running backs. Baker's a little dinged up, but, man, he, he can get hot. We've seen that before. Actually, last year after the bye week, he went real hot. So you're right. I mean, w- would you rather be hot in the beginning of the year or the end? I'll, I'll take the end every single yeah, time. Hey, if it gets us in, I'll take the end. I mean, and honestly, too, I think, hey, get Baker, Baker, get Baker a week, man. You see him on, you know, his, you know, kind of on the rollouts and, you know, let let the guy rest for, for the off, you know, for the bye week and then get back on the field and, you know, honestly, if you start putting together, if you get a big win against Baltimore, you, know, you get a big, big win against the Raiders, all of a sudden you've got some momentum. And then, you know, we're talking about we're, we're sitting, you know, we could be sitting here in a month talking. And it's like, oh, you remember that time we were freaking out about the Browns being on fire and who was the right guy? You know, it's like, hey, all right, things weren't that bad, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. facts. <laughs> I was like the R-E-L, you know, R-E-L-A-X, you know, when, when Aaron Rodgers did that. They were, it started off terribly, and they had to win, I think, like, to get in. You know, and then, not saying that's the case, but, you know, some, some runs can happen when you're motivated. And I've always learned watching Baker, he plays best when he's doubted most. That's the one thing I've learned. I, I just true. I just like Baker Mayfield, man. I mean, it's and I think it's very unfair to judge him right now when he's – I mean, the guy's hurt. <laughs> yeah, he's I hurt mean, really look, bad. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Mikey said it best, man. You ever want somebody to to take the fall, and sometimes it's just it's not that simple, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a we have a yard dogs uh, mailbag question for you for you, Brian. Maybe you can help us answer this. This is uh, from Casey Kinneman. He writes for Dog Pound Daily. Great guy. He's been a guest on the show. He writes. What wrinkles would you like to see Stefanski implement into the offense after the bye? All right, so I, I personally would like to see – I'd like to see Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field more often. And I don't mean, you know, obviously that either one of them is in at all times, but I think, you know – and you even look at Dearness Johnson. I mean, these are – we talk about two of the best running backs in the league, but when you give Dearness Johnson, you know, the horse's share, I mean, this guy looks like he's – he could be up there in the top 15 if that were, you know, if that were his spot. So I think, you know, I'd like to see the running backs utilize more of the, uh, you know, passing game. I think to just like, and I mean, as, that is a byproduct of lining up, playing smash mouth football, running it. You know, you loosen the team up. We've done that before. You know, it's worked. So you kind of stick with what worked. I'd also like to see Cremont, you know, get, you know, five, six targets, seven targets, and let him, you know, become an extension of your receiving core, become a playmaker. I think he's, He's a guy that's dangerous enough that when you see him in space, he makes guys miss. He makes plays happen. So I'd really like to see Kareem Hunt kind of take on not the Christian McCaffrey role, but really start to, to get him out in space, make him more of a receiving threat, right, and utilize, yeah, utilize the skill set that he's got. Mikey P., same question. What would you like to see Stefanski? Uh, I want to see him just stay committed to the run. Like, yeah, just just continue to stay committed to it. Don't. 
don't lose hope in it. And just because it's not going well in the first quarter, just give up on it. Yeah. Um, just keep punching them in the mouth, man. Eventually, people can only take so many punches to the mouth. Eventually, like that, that hole will break free. Like it's it's one thing I you know I learned uh, playing football myself. Like you, you just you just got to stay at it, man. Because eventually, that that runs you're gonna break off one of those big ones, and then and then that those those are momentum swings, man. When defenses just hate it, hate it. Oh yeah. When you give up a, a big run like that. Oh yeah. And just keep churning yards, moving those chains, you know. Um, That that frustrates the defense, too, you know, when it's, you know, third down, they're trying to get off the field, and, oh, they got a first down, you know, and then they get another chunk, and then it's third down again. Oh, no, another first down. Yeah, keep churning that clock, moving the chains. Um, I agree with you guys. I would love to see the the running game more involved. I want to see, uh, you know, Baker get some high percentage throws. I mean, the guy's a baller. Brian, you'd mentioned it earlier about the the uh, the bootlegs. You know, uh, that's when Baker's at his best, right? When he, when he fakes the handoff and rolls out to his right or left, usually the left, and uh, hits a high percentage throw. I, I want to see more of that as well. Yeah, and I think that's that's what happens too when you can run the ball successfully. You run the ball successfully, that sets play up, you know, sets up the play action. Yeah. You get him out in space, you get him out in the, you know, out in the pocket, outside of the pocket, moving. You know, he can he can kind of improvise, which is where he's really good at. Um, so I would I would like to see that, but again, I think just sticking to the run and then, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I I don't know what happened last week. You know, like you said, you look at the, the rushing performance. I don't think any Browns fan could have could have seen that coming. Um, you know, from from any which way. So. I think just sticking to the run, like you said, make wearing teams down and understanding that you know, teams aren't going to want to tackle Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for four straight quarters if you can move the sticks and keep eating the clock. You know, so that's going to be a difficult thing to do. I know I wouldn't want to do it. No. I, no. no. I'd, go no. For the, I'd go for the feet. Yeah. Yeah. Driving <laughs> well, at toes, you know. Rip. Yeah, you go you go up high in the first half, in the second half you start going low. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then by the end of the second half it's like you got them right, you know, you kind of sliding out of the way. Yeah. Well, Brian, this was a lot of fun, man. We, we're about up against it on time. I, I, Mikey P, I'm sure I can speak for you. We appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and sharing your insight on the Browns. And just want to let you know we we enjoy um, your your family's journey. You know, we follow Jennifer on Twitter, and I know your dad's not on Twitter, but uh, we've, we we follow. That's what I like about it. You know, his kids, they're out there, you know, fighting for him to, to get in the Hall of Fame, and he's got a lot of people in his corner. I mean, I, on my Twitter bio, I have Clay Matthews Jr. Hall of Fame. I mean, and it's going to stay up there until he gets in. I know he's going to get in one day. That stood out to me when I first saw it. I go, you know, I think I'm going to like this guy. You know, <laughs> be all right. <laughs> So when I reached out, you know, I'm glad I did. But no, we, we definitely appreciate it. And and that's one of the things that's so special about Cleveland. You looked at, you know, how far, you know, back. I mean, he was drafted in, you know, talking 78, 79, right? And, and left Cleveland in, in, what, 93 before going to Atlanta for a couple of years. And people are still fighting for him to get in. And that's that's a pretty cool thing to have happen, you know, when you, when you kind of think, all right, my time is, you know, my time faded a long time ago. So he's... I know he's still grateful, and I know he's glad we live here because now he's got a you know a reason to come back more often. Yeah, I'll, I'll share a funny story. Uh, so Alan Fanica, who was recently inducted, is actually yeah. the coach of a local Virginia Beach high school, and okay. I was at a game that he coaches, 
and uh, I got to meet him. And I was like, I was like, you know, I said, I respect you. You're a hell of a player. I said, but I was really hoping my, my boy, Clay Matthews Jr. was going to get in over you this year. Oh, and yeah. he was like, and he was like, he deserves to get in, man. So uh, even, uh, even former players are, are, are uh, hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this stuff, too. Uh, great. I appreciate that. We, we do. But uh, one of the great things about my dad is, you know, we, we always ask him about it. You know, he's like, hey, look, I played 19 years in the NFL. You know, I got to play a grown, you know, a little kid's game. Um, for, you know, for, for my, you know, for my life. And so he goes, well, yeah, it'd be, be nice. But, you know, he, that guy's a competitor. You know, I, I know how competitive, we all know how competitive. So he always says, you know, yeah, it'd be nice, but it wouldn't make or break my career. That's why we're fighting because we know he won't say it. And he's not going to jump up on top of something and scream that he should get it. So, you know, Jennifer's out there. She's <laughs> She's been doing a fantastic job just, you know, with the graphics, things like that. Just, you know, I mean, nonstop and everything helps, you know. So we're, we're hoping that now through the, you know, the veterans exemption, you can get in and, and you know, find a way to, to, to get a pat there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, you know. It's going to happen. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be yes. there. Yes. Okay. When that day happens, you guys will have to join. Absolutely. Yeah. My aunt and uncle live right up the street. So my, hey. my aunt's a Kent McKinley uh, alum. She lived, okay. She's lived in Canton her whole life. Uh, so I, every yeah, time man. I go, every, every summer I go up, I make, make it a point to go to the Hall of Fame. So yeah. I, I would love to be able to uh, – um, to go up there when he is inducted. That would be awesome to see that. When that day comes, you, you guys will be getting a call, man. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys still putting out the good work. Really do. Absolutely. Yeah, Mikey P and I will hop in the car and drive to Kenton. That's right. That's, that's, that's not a bad drive. Well, no, thanks for bad. coming on the show, man. Um, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, I guess I know you're on Twitter. Yeah, so it's I'm, I guess I'm, I'm the uh, the VMAT uh, across you know I, across you know, the, the major uh, brands of social media. So uh, you know I'm, I'm not the uh, the biggest poster on on the other ones, but uh, you know I'll throw up my two cents on Twitter in there. So um, so yeah, the, the underscore VMAT is great. Well, awesome. Well, uh, Mikey P, any final thoughts? Well, we got a game in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, the bye will uh, give us time to heal up a little bit, heal up a little bit more and fi- figure some things out. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a five-game season the rest of the way. That's right. One game at a time. One game at a time. Well, I like to end all the shows with the Go Browns. That's the way we roll here on the Yard Dogs podcast. So if you'll join us, Brian, on the count of three. Oh, yeah. One, two, three. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.